there usually wasn't this much camaraderie among the London bands. In counting, another outfit was like a prelude to a gunfight in a western, all preening and posturing. Occasionally, it really spilt over into childish fisticuffs, but then they were always provocateurs on hand. Maybe it felt different if you hung around the West End punk scene. I lived out in the suburbs, earning just enough money for rent and to feed the family, where news of the impending musical apocalypse had seemed as distant as if you had been living in Cleethorpes or Western Supermare. The next time I encountered the clash was in the summer of 1979, while they were recording London Calling. I'd gone to Wessex Sound Studios to scope it out as a possible location for recording the special's first album, which I was about to produce. Back in early 78, I'd ask Mick Jones to play on our next single, Pump It Up, and someone started the ridiculous rumor that we were actually trying to poach him to be the attraction's lead guitarist. And since then, there had been a little bit of a hands-off attitude between our managers. The idea was never remotely in my mind. And we didn't even end up using mixed guitar on Pump It Up. Although, he did play a great part. It sounded like police sirens on Big Tears, the B-side of the single. Now Mick was out on the studio floor with the volume and the reverb on his amp cranked all the way up to obliterate. I thought to myself, that'll never work. But when London Calling came out, I couldn't believe how great everything sounded. I was completely and utterly wrong. It sounded ragged and thrilling. I think records starting getting better again because everyone was dropping that tedious post that there was no past. You could hear that the Clash were raiding their record collections for anything that they could turn into new songs. Jerry Dammers was doing the same thing with his songs for the Specials album. When we met, their first single, Gangsters, was already on the charts before Jerry's publisher realized that it was essentially Prince Buster's Al Capone, with new words added. Later that summer, we would pull the same trick over and over again while recording Get Happy in Hilversum, Holland. Our first attempts to record my new songs for that album came out sounding like someone doing a bad impersonation of us in 1978. I went to the Rock On a second-hand record shop in Camden Town, and bought every old Stax 45 that they had on their shelf and carried them home to plunder. It never occurred to me that I had ended up in the front room with a stack of singles to learn, just like my dad had done. Almost everything we needed to arrange, new songs, was pilfered from that pile of old records. A lot of pop music has come out of people failing to copy their model and accidentally creating something new. The closer you get to your ideal, the less original you sound. 
are cracked-handed, wired-up attempts to play like bands we heard on Motown and Atlantic compilations were just enough to get us away from our cliches. But back then, I was dreaming of being anyone but myself.